Ladies and gentlemen, and variations thereof, welcome to the Selectives Lorecast, a casual Elder Scrolls podcast. My name is Chris Nelson, but everybody calls me Rotten Deadite. With me today are... Hi, I'm Corey. Hey, I'm Joe, and I am not sponsored by Tito's Vodka. <laughs> and tonight we're talking about uh, the Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion, because it's, it's what, 10, 10th year, 10 year anniversary today, tonight, yeah, right. today. Yep. It came out 10 years ago today. Uh, for the Xbox 360 and the PC. Uh, yep. And if that doesn't date it, then I don't know what does. <laughs> was that supposed uh, to be a release title for the 360? Actually, the, according to this, it came out on the PS3 as well, but that's the first I ever heard Eventually. of it. I, I actually yeah, played it on the later. PS3. I owned it on the PS3 first. Really? Okay. Did they put I the did. DLC out on the PS3? Uh, Xbox 360 got it. Actually, one of the whole reasons why I bought an Xbox 360 was because the PS3 wasn't getting it for a long time. Uh, so I, I bought I think that they did eventually, though. Yeah, they did eventually. But I bought that, and then I got all the you know the Game of the Year edition or whatever. Wow. And those poor bastards had to go a full year without getting their horse DLC. I know, right? That armor. That armor. Pretty. Well. uh... DLC-wise, uh, this was actually the first Elder Scrolls game to have DLC. Up until that point, you had to, back in my day, you had to go out and buy a disc and oh. ins- put it in a drive and install it. But this was back when, but the, the, the uh, uh, Oblivion was the first Elder Scrolls game to have downloadable content uh, for purchase. And uh, the Horse Armor DLC was hilarious and misunderstood. Uh, and and Yeah. Uh, yeah, and people still bring that crap up. But um, but it also Oblivion also had one of the best DLCs money could possibly buy, which would be the Shivering Isles DLC. Indeed. And you said it too uh, fast. I couldn't cut in with like one of the other little random ones. I couldn't go like that's one thing. thing. You're like the Mage's Tower. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, they, they, I forgot all about they were nice, yeah. but they were like kind of like Hearthfire. Except yeah. Like sort of themed. No, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just, Shivering Isles and yeah. Knights of the Nine were the shit, though. Yeah, they were. Uh, as far yeah. as far as like the Mage's Tower and the Stronghold and the was one other one, right? Yeah, the it's the, the uh, not, it's a Dark Brotherhood, not Dark Brotherhood one, where you can cure yourself of vampirism if you want. Yeah, but basically, but, I don't. I only ever use that tower to be like, I don't want to join the Mage's Guild and be able to do enchanting. So yeah, that's pretty right. much it for me too. Yeah. So what changes did we see going from, because everybody knows the first Elder Scrolls game first off. Okay, first off, the first Elder Scrolls game was clearly Morrowind. Okay. Yes. And there, weren't, there weren't any yeah. before that. I don't, <laughs> I don't care what anybody, what anybody tells you. Hey, man, but, don't let uh, some of our friends hear that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> about Daggerfall. That's I think you mean, Redguard happened first. Yeah. And people like yeah, that. That is very true. But yeah, Redguard was not an Elder Scrolls game. Redguard was, was an Elder Scrolls, Scrolls adventure. It was not yes. another full chapter, which I think the first two were called that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, it was an Elder Scrolls adventure, which I think they were kind of, I don't know what the deal was with the Elder Scrolls adventures subtitle. I don't know if that was because they wanted to make it like basically, lower budget, smaller games or something. I don't know. Basically, the way I saw it was that in most cases that you took on the role of a pre, you right. know, a, a character that you didn't make. Of course, and and it wasn't uh, as stat heavy or role playing as as role playing heavy as previous games. That's what it was. Yeah, it, it was, was like um, structured like a linear adventure story. Yeah, right. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, so anyway, Morrowind came out and then Oblivion came out uh, where Oblivion was announced. Morrowind came out and then Oblivion was announced and all the Lord nerds threw a goddamn shit bit because Oblivion was taking place in a forest instead of a swamp. Yep. And, uh, and uh, well, uh, yeah, I, 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 one of, I, let, well, okay. So let's just talk about the, about the, uh, the change of landscape. It, to this day, it doesn't get, in my opinion, there's no better example of why lore like outside of the game or the elder scrolls lore community in general can make something great out of something potentially awful um and of course i'm talking about tiber septum chimming the uh uh the the uh the, 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 the landscape in a way but at the same time uh Another really great thing that came out of it was uh, Lawrence Schick's whole explanation for the way that the people who occupy a tower affect the land around the tower. Yeah. And that, and that his suggestion was that the uh, takeover of the White Gold Tower from the Aliens is what transformed the uh, landscape into a forest, which meshes really well with the whole myth of, you know, the king is the land uh arthurian kind of uh, myth mythological metaphor which uh is freaking excellent i mean that's a really good idea mm -hmm. so um and the best part of it is it completely goes against the whole tiber septum chimmed it into uh chimmed the forest into being which i mean the more you you know the more you have com com competing concepts in elder scrolls lore the better it gets i mean it's just yeah, indeed. everybody knows that all cool yeah which oh yeah of course are. Both of those are yeah. cool, so it works. Yeah, the translation error that was thrown out by ESO briefly was not great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was just like meh. The, yeah, that was that was pretty think, pretty obviously a desperate I think, move. <laughs> I, I don't think it was a desperate move. I honestly think it was an inside joke. I honestly believe oh, they did it on purpose, and they're just fucking with us because yeah, uh, it's been done before. No one liked it, and they just thought, hey, let's do it again, and piss them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's these people are. They're like a corporate they're level shit post kind of thing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the Zenimax Online Studios troll face. It's the uh, you know the, I mean let, I mean like I like to tell people the really hardcore Lord nerds are maybe four to ten percent tops of yeah. the people who who play Elder Scrolls games, and I think that may or may not be going up with with Elder Scrolls Online, considering how what a great job Elder Scrolls Online does with you know showing people really heavy lore. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and I consider like, it a as well as its awesome PvP. And oh, is it is is the PvP good? I, 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 I don't really once. Hmm, it's sure. really good. Um, I'm also thinking of like the level of engagement with fans, though, because I've heard people talk about mm -hmm. that before. It's like there's a difference between usually like related to YouTube. Like you see like a video with a million views, a million people aren't super hardcore into that YouTuber. There's like a core of people who watch all their videos and then spread those to other people. I feel yeah. like kind of the hardcore lore beards are kind of that group to at least like yeah. a degree of the fan base. And then there's other people mm -hmm. who are into it for like other role playing purposes that are still engaged. But we're like an engaged fan base. It mm -hmm. kind of helps to spread the word just by liking it so much. If, I, know if you, topic, I know this is off yeah, topic, but I just wanted to say about Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, Zenimax Studios has kind of returned to what I would say almost pre Oblivion levels, like during Morrowind when there's all those lore posts and people. Yeah. You know, the makers were on the forums and fucking around with everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, ESO has kind of returned to that, and I like that. 
Yeah, it's the the uh, the frequent where they'll have like in universe interviews with characters from the universe, and that happens mm-hmm. like what like weekly or something now. Something like that. Um, yeah. It's monthly it, or weekly. Yeah. That's really it's really good stuff. They they really uh, they're really taking care of their community. I, I, I've I've got a uh, I got nothing but good things to say about uh, ESO, uh, which pains me all the more that I don't play it more often than I do when I really don't. Um, yeah, I don't have the equipment to. So I've played yeah. it all. Like, like watch all of you guys, or not you guys, you too, but like you guys, people. Well, actually, speaking of viewership, if you if you consider the number of people who watch, who have seen, like, if you look at the number of views that our videos get, and consider that maybe that's like half, generously speaking, of the hardcore English speaking lore nerds out there. Like, let's say somehow we've got that good of a penetration into that particular fandom. Yeah, band penetrate. Page. So, like, may- <laughs> so maybe maybe our Muatra hits fifty percent of lore uh, hardcore lore nerds. Um, then you take a look at the fall, the rapid fall off of the, you know, of how many people actually make it to the end of one of our videos. Uh-huh. And I, I think there's maybe eight people. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not that small. It's, but it's incredibly tiny. Now it's some, some like of, of the number of people who start watching our videos, 15 or so percent make it to the end. They just need more stamina. Which, you know, there's exercises for that. Or we need to wrap it the fuck up. I mean, it's, one of those. <laughs> Hey, we, we, Hey, Hey man, I did say when we started this is these were going to be ramble casts. Yeah, right. Just say it. I'm drinking and vodka out of a bottle. All right, you don't know what I'm going to say and what it's going to affect you, like in what way it's going to affect you. Anyway, well, we, uh, I wanted to return uh, to Ott just because um, I actually scheduled a day off from my work for this cast because <laughs> Oblivion is such an important game to me. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to do a cheesy share your memories about oblivion um, thing whether or not you liked it or not but oblivion was my first game not first Elder Scrolls game first Elder Scrolls game yeah not morrowind not daggerfall not any others it was oblivion so when i first got that game i came into it blind i mean i played it at a friend's house immediately fell in love um it was the game i wanted to play that kind of block style, the kind of, you know, attacking, the archery, everything. And I became a lore nerd when, um, you know, I was trying to compare, you know, Debella to Aphrodite or Akatosh to Jupiter, etc. But I started becoming a lore nerd whenever um, I started reading the books and reading about Alessia and Pelinol and Morahas got me into the lore. And then I went back and played Morrowind. <laughs> so, and what was that transition like? Um, very hard because I played it on the Xbox 360 first. Oh, so no, yeah. crashed constantly. I played hardly any of it, but then I got into the computer one and I made myself play it. And as a, as a game to play, I honestly think I prefer Morrowind, which is kind of weird just because of the freedom that is involved in it. Mm-hmm. But Oblivion is where all my, you know, rose tinted glasses nostalgia is. Um, sure. I mean, I love that game. It's um, uh, the transition from Morrowind to Oblivion was actually something that actually stuck on a lot of people who were really big Morrowind fans because they liked the, the strangeness of it, the alien landscape and then they go to oblivion 
and they were complaining that you know it's it's high fantasy all over. It's it's high fantasy. It's nothing like Morrowind. When in fact the series started at high fantasy. I mean, that's yeah. really it was a, always it, it was a high fantasy D and D Tolkien esque adventure. Yeah. which mm-hmm. it returned to that in Oblivion. And really, and, you didn't. Uh, get, you, unfortunately, you didn't get into any to into any of the weird lore until you uh, get to Gaia Lauter, which, <laughs> which, uh, yeah. By the way, that um, Mankar Cameron's still my favorite. Um, oh, bad enemy, guy. Stuck with bad guy in the Elder Scrolls series. And you know, the Thorns. funny thing is, he wasn't even technically the bad guy. Technically. I, mean, I know, but he, he was, was just guy. the front man. He was he yeah. was a bad guy. He was a front man for the big bad guy. But you only see the big bad guy at the very very end of the game, whereas Mankar is in and out for most of it. You know. Now, as far as, who do you remember more, Darth Vader or the Emperor? That's Darth right. Yeah. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yep. As far as I'm concerned, Marin's Dagon is just there, and Mankar Cameron's the big baddie orchestrating all this. That's how I felt yeah. when I played it. Meverin's Dagon is the big nuclear bomb, mm-hmm. and and you know Mankar Cameron is the bad man with the button. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it well, uh, and the other thing is that Mankar Cameron was easier to identify with because he wasn't a big freaking Daedric god and stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's one of the reasons why ESO. I mean, you you fight Molag Ball all the time. You constantly hear him in ESO, but. You know, when you when you start thinking about like who do you really whose guts do you really hate? It's not really I mean, you could say it's more Molag Ball than Dagon was in Oblivion, but I mean it's, it's still kind of hard to hate on a guy who's you Especially know, when a Marco is such a bitch, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, you know. <laughs> Another thing, this might be like really reaching for stuff, but uh I got the like special edition like day one release thing that had like the making of DVD. And like whatever you think their execution of stuff was, like uh, Todd was saying in the DVD, like he didn't want, or they they as a company didn't want Mankar to be just like uh, he's like the standard Dark Lord or like the the lunatic. Like they wanted him to have a point. Like even if yeah. that point may not have been necessarily right, or if you as a player didn't agree with it, which is kind of more in the Elder Scrolls vein of subjectivity, it's like he still had to actually have like reasons that were legitimate within the context of how he saw the world. Yeah, and as far as I'm concerned, I still, I Mankar Cameron's had such an effect on me that um, Lorcan being the king of the Daedra is it's headcanon for me. Nothing, I yeah. don't think there's anything that can persuade me to change it at this point. As as much time as I spend d- dwelling on metaphys- metaphysics in the Elder Scrolls, it, it, Mankar Cameron's version of the story makes so much sense that it's hey, there's 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 Hey-o! yay, we got more. <laughs> awesome. Hello, yeah. friends. Hey, 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 hey. Um, so you, we just uh, we were just talking about the first uh, like the you know those of us who played uh, Oblivion for the first time, what that experience was like. What was your first time first impressions, Ziegler? So the the one that was that really counts because we had a Dickens of a time in the. Uh, in the sewers and and in that first dungeon, I I, I played yeah. it. I was this is before I had an Xbox 360, so I went up to my brother-in-law's place and we took turns playing. So we come out of the dungeon and the two of us just stood there in awe, staring <laughs> at that first scene. And I'm, we're like, 
what are we going to do? And I said, you see that mountain up there? I can't remember which mountain it was. I said, I'm going to climb that mountain. And I went. No and I way. Climbed. Yes. God's <laughs> dream. <laughs> I completely ignore the main quest. <laughs> then eventually when I got my own 360, then I got involved and, and did the main quest and whatnot. But mostly I just so, ran around and did dungeons and had, it was glorious. That's actually some, that's an interesting question. How often do you guys actually like uh, of the elder scrolls games that you've completed? How often, how late in your character's development do you actually complete the main quest? So uh, for me with Morrowind, I do it immediately because that ring that gives you stamina over time too good. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. those two gauntlets that you get that raises your strength and whatever. It's, Love those. Yeah. It's uh, from that Nord hero. Prodigals. Yeah. I think that's how you say it. Oblivion wise, um, if I ever do any quests at all when I'm playing it, I'll be lucky. Uh, Skyrim, I'm, I'll never really. Yeah, you really. Just, you just you just pick flowers in Oblivion all day. Is it <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I run around and I go, I put it on the hardest difficulty, and which is you know you can get three shot and <laughs> I run around and I do dungeons. I don't know I don't yeah. know why, but I do. I hunt vampires. It's good. Oh yeah, that that's a fun quest. Yeah, they hit like trucks in Oblivion. Vampires. <laughs> yes. Jesus. Yeah. Yes. In Oblivion, I usually play vampire, but it's the only game I do it. Uh, but normally with Morrowind, I play the main quest last before the expansions, and then I just do the expansions. Then uh, Oblivion, I do just Kavach to get the Oblivion gates to start opening. Then do everything else I want to do on that playthrough. Then the main quest. Then uh, for Skyrim, it's kind of the same, uh, the same as Morrowind, where I do, or it's kind of a, a halfway between the two. I get dragons to start spawning. Then I do everything else in Skyrim proper. Skyrim main quest, then uh, Dawn Guard, and then Dragonborn to end it because Soul's Time is like my nostalgia point for the series as a whole. You know, I actually, if you, I would highly recommend starting a new character and doing Dragonborn as soon as possible because yeah, the, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, you get very different enemies at lower levels than you do at high levels, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, it's the same enemies, but you get them in different amounts and they do different things. Hmm. It's not like uh, uh, that's that's one of the reasons why I've like every once in a while I'll go back and play uh, Skyrim again and try to do the main quest as quickly as possible because I saved it till the very end. On all my previous playthroughs, yeah, and I never, I, I never get much farther than learning fus, the full Fusrada, and then after that, if for some reason or other, just something happens and I don't get to finish it. Um, also, the dialogue that you get before killing Alduin is really, really cool. Have you done Dragonborn already, or? Yeah, the dialogue oh, okay. you get when you're talking to um, whose name I cannot remember, the original Dragonborn. Oh, Mirak. Mirak, yeah. Um, yeah he, you, he gets dialogue that's specific to finishing the Skyrim main quest because he's talking about Alduin and all this stuff. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, I haven't heard any dialogue like the dialogue that he would say if you haven't already done that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Hmm. Okay, I got a playthrough going through right going right now. I might just head in I there. Just yeah. finished nice. one, and uh, so like it'll be a bit before I do it again. But yeah, oh yeah, my Oblivion thing. I actually haven't done mine yet. Uh, yeah, I think with me, the uh, the big thing for Oblivion was actually almost before it came out was uh, kind of my first introduction to the community. Because, like, I first looked up, like, this was 
my early days of using the internet regularly was uh, I looked it up because my friend brought a magazine to school that you like, you guys might remember listeners at home. You might remember there were these things called magazines once, and yeah. they were like paper game and informer. Like they had stuff. Yeah, it was that one. And they had like stuff in them. And there was a, a story about a new Elder Scrolls game in it. So I just uh, used this fancy internet search thing that I was using at the time. Ask Jeeves. Uh, I, I don't know <laughs> if it was Ask Jeeves, but it wasn't Google. Hot so I don't even remember what it was. But uh, and then I found just the the official Elder Scrolls website and joined that. So that that was my first introduction to like, oh, you can find people on the internet who like the same things you do and talk to them about that. <laughs> so like technically the announcement of oblivion is kind of what it didn't make me like a lore nerd but it made me able to share that and then as for the game itself it was like that first playthrough like before i started getting really analytical because the, the first playthrough was as soon as it came out so like between when like before like knights of the nine which is kind of my favorite part of it came out oh yeah and uh like when i started I still wasn't being that analytical about it. So I wasn't kind of like noting the things that were inconsistent with my preconceived notions as much, although I kind of started to do that later. Um, and it was just like, oh, wow, this is like really cool. Just looking, seeing another part of Tamriel firsthand. And like, you know, it was also just like pretty. And there are so many points that you just like, that I would just stop and stand and just look around because it was like, it was new tech and everything. So it looked a lot prettier than anything I had seen in a video game before. Yes. Yeah, Oblivion when it first came out was a gorgeous game. It really was. Yeah. They were still they were still messing around with the whole uh, uh, make trees out of sprites, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the LOD was uh, particularly well done in Oblivion. It was. Uh, I remember being able to climb up on top of a mountain and look over the whole uh, the whole basin and just yeah. be like, man, I can see that, everything from up here. That's <laughs> Say again. That's a, uh, that has aged well. Like just viewing like vistas and stuff. Yeah. Like even though it's ten years old, like just looking out over the distance and just like taking in Cyrodiil still looks really pretty. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, people are still every so every week or so. There's at least one post on the front page of Reddit with like some screenshot some dude took of his ridiculous you know skyrim install i mean that all the games are just have this have these amazing landscapes and you know free karma yeah. indeed uh, pro provided you can run some ridiculous ass enb at some ridiculous screen resolution um so the uh so we've we've already talked about mankar camera quite a bit <laughs> um, Why not some more? Well, we even gave him his own uh, his own uh, uh, cast. Uh, mm -hmm. But what we haven't really discussed much, it, we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about Knights of the Nine. I don't think. No, we haven't. Ooh. Yeah. So this I'm was um, well. This was the uh, expansion. This was uh, an adventure that they gave us, which involved uh, um, an ancient Iliad elf spirit coming back to life. And uh, uh, by the name of Umaril, Unfe Umaril the Unfeathered. And um, I mean, I think we've mentioned uh, aliens in the past uh, and what they were doing in, uh, in, a, in, in Cyrodiil. 
but the changeover from uh, uh, from uh, from alien domination to uh, you know uh, the freedom of man was due partially to the efforts of was due almost entirely to the efforts, excuse me, of Saint Alessia and her two um, champions. Yeah, semi-divine champions. Yeah, uh, one of whom was apparently a gay robot assassin from the future. Yes, um, we said the gay robot thing. <laughs> who used a uh, lightsaber? Who had a lightsaber or something? Um, that's right. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, so let's talk first a little bit about who Umarill the Unfeathered was. Um, that's a hard question. So because as far as because so you guys know, uh, the aliens are my favorite Merithic race, uh, not the Dwemer of, you know, all the lost races. It's the aliens that are my favorite. And far as far as um, I can gather that the. Aliens were almost um, joined together in a league of sorts, kind of like the ancient Greeks. They each had a city-state. Each city-state had a high priest king or just a king. And then, you know, there's this imperial city or Alt-Sarad that comes about, and then there's Umarill the Unfeathered. So as far as I can understand, Umarill the Unfeathered was kind of like the Daedrophile high king of Cyrodiil. And that's how, you know, kind of like the Son of Meridia, that's how mm. I see him. Well, he was the, his mother was apparently Aeliad, his father was a divine being of some kind. But he had an alliance with Meridia, I'm saying, I'm showing, I'm reading here on UESP. Yeah, the alliance or son or something yeah. like that. If I recall right, I think like it was through her that he was able to sort of escape to, or like escape after his physical death the first time. Yes, uh, due to some kind of pact with Meridia, but I'm not sure exactly. Like I don't know if they go into too much more detail in that than that, or if they do what that is. Well, why why do you think Meridia would have anything to do with the aliens in the first place? Well, she is the literal personification of light and light is sacred to the aliens because light is the source of all magic and blah 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 so presumably okay according to this he was a sorcerer king so I assume he was basically I assume his pact was in some way a, yes hello kissy time what yay what are we doing <laughs> What are we doing? I have more views than any other oh, video. Just, just, oh my god. Just takes one dashy. Yes. Uh, one dashy for all the hits. But yeah. And uh, I think I can't remember exactly where the story may have been, but uh, I seem to recall that he had like unfeathered is actually an earned name because like he I seem to recall at one point did have like wings that were majestic and then lost them somehow it kind of sort of has something going on in his armor yeah yeah um i'd also like to remind uh you guys of the myrrh that occupied alzarad when uh, topo the pilot showed up basically bird people 
And then the aliens, you know, their obsession with the sky and light and all things looking like birds and or, you know, Ariel. And then I don't really remember why he was called the Unfeathered, but I know it's related to that. Yeah, I believe. I got Imperial Library open. I'm just looking up Song of Hell and all. Uh, So, yeah. I'm just uh, trying to see if it's in this one specifically. Uh, oh, yep. Here we go. Found it. Volume 7. Uh, uh, Umaril was laid low. The angel face of his helm dented into an ugliness which made Pelinol laugh, and his unfeathered wings broken off with sword <laughs> strokes delivered while Pelinol stood frothing above him, insulting his ancestry and anyone else that took ship from old Elnafei. <laughs> Andrew their Elvis kings and drove them to oh. a their own. I love so that Just like, I'm just going to shit talk on you while I fuck your face up. He's got better because Pelinol shit talked him. Great. Yeah. 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 Okay. That is so much funnier, you know, after a few better years. Better than what I said. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's yeah. great. You could just see him just squatting over Pelinol. Like, I mean, over. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, Wreck nerd. <laughs> yeah. But like to kind of filter back to the whole like pre and pre analyzing thing. Uh, Knights of the Nine was actually the thing that like really kicked Oblivion up a few notches for me. Because uh, I was, uh, you know, like I liked it, but I'm like, this is a good game in a series of great games. And I'm like, so even though it's really good, it's like the point of comparison was a little skewed. Um, yeah, there's but, not nearly as much content at, in Base Oblivion as there was yeah, in, in Base Marwin. In Base kind of Oblivion, and it's a very different kind. But then Knights of the Nine comes in, and it's kind of got the same sort of tone, where it's very mythic, but it's still got that kind of black comedy that you find in mythologies. So it was, uh, it was really Knights of the Nine and stuff like the Song of Pelinol that was like, okay, now this feels right. Now Oblivion has sort of come into its own, and it feels like more of like the Elder Scrolls that I was thinking I would be getting. And so now, now that I have that and I have like the game of the year edition with all the, all the DLC and expansions on it, I'm like, okay, yes, as a whole, like the point that it reached before they stopped working on it or the point that it reached when they were done with it. Like, that's like, okay, that's the oblivion that I was expecting when I first bought it. And it's, it's reached that now pretty much, but it's like, it took a bit of extra time that I think like nowadays, because that's just the way video games are released now, I sort of expect it to get better over time. But at the time, it's like, oh, I just bought this game. And like, I expect it to sort of stay as it is. Yeah. I just realized UESP has his, has Umaril's dialogue. Oh, cool. Oh, does it? Yeah, because he just shouts stuff at you that I, but it's like in, like, their own language. Yeah. yeah. My favorite line is Pelinal's reach is long. <laughs> well, you know what? They had to cut large you know beneath himself. That's true. <laughs> That's probably my favorite cut line from anything. Is just the large beneath himself line. Well, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of the uh Ribonata that is pretty memorable <laughs> that well, that's, that's one way to put it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Etta, which i still haven't seen because i don't know the stat- i don't know the status of these things and i don't ask i'll just let them come as they come it's pretty messed up 
<laughs> like the, yeah, the bits I've seen, I'm like, holy shit, he just came on that guy's face and ate him. Why? I can't imagine why that wasn't in a game. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, they, they got some weird shit into the Morrowind books anyway, like 36 Lessons we talk about all the time. It's like, they're going to yeah. slip some of that in into like yeah, just man. the in-game books. I'm surprised Vivek in general even got into a video game, but I love uh, that he did. I'm yeah. glad he did because he's probably one of the most memorable characters ever of all time, far yeah. as RPGs, especially as important as Morrowind was to the console market for bringing RPGs to the console. It's true. A lot of people hadn't weren't really playing role playing games like we know them uh, until Morrowind came out. Um, which is one of the things that a lot of people who played Oblivion uh, on the console were uh, very excited by, that Oblivion was more of a, uh, let's face it, it was less dice rolly and a lot more action-oriented uh, than, um, than Oblivion was. And uh, to this day, it's still a, I mean, I, I love Morrowind, but the combat is just a, a chore. Yeah, so it is a chore, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's nice to have uh, a, a, a more more interactivity or more voluntary choices to whether or not my character can be arsed to lift a shield. You know. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, and, uh, uh, just as a side note, if I really liked Skyrim's combat, and that was about all I liked about Skyrim, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> uh, other than the game was beautiful. And this is coming from someone who played. I have thousands of hours in the game on the console version, guys. Yeah, okay. so you you hate you hated it. Yeah, yeah I hated it. <laughs> right. It's all that skewed, that skewed point of comparison that the Elder Scrolls yeah. does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the close basically so it sucks. <laughs> the closer uh, Elder Scrolls combat gets to uh, Dark Souls One's combat, happier I am. Now, so, so you like now you like talking. dying then is that it <laughs> no, i'm just talking about so i like there to be a challenge to gameplay and i like there being risk and reward and there was risk and reward in morrowind in the way that you had to spec you know specialize yourself yeah in oblivion not so much you were a stealth archer and you could just murder everything or <laughs> you know mm-hmm. if you're yeah, still like definitely needed some work if, if you're a mage, archery in, in Dark Scroll, Dark in Dark Souls, it's not going to work. <laughs> no, and again, innovation. I'd like to be innovation, but um, in Oblivion, if you're a mage, you just cast the reflects the reflect and absorb spells, and you can never die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then melee melee was great because it was block and attack, block and attack, but at the same time, it's just like. Why, when I could just stealth archer your face? Yep. <laughs> it was, I mean, as bad as stealth, stealth archery is in Oblivion, um, it's thankfully not nearly as overpowered in Skyrim. Actually, uh, it is. But it's still, <laughs> it's still desperately skewed. <laughs> it's also really fun, or became really fun. Speaking of games improving after launch nowadays, it became really fun when they, like, in a weird sort of way, when they added the kill cams to bows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like you're just sneaking around a cave and you're like, oh, well, there's that guy. I'm just going to hit him with an arrow and then he's going to go over that fence and fall into this big ass lake. <laughs> then you do <laughs> that and then it does the slow mo and it's like, it's going to follow his ass into the lake. It is epic. <laughs> it is. It, it's like it's meaty and it feels good. Mm-hmm. And like a, kind of a venting, 
like tough day, playing video games after a tough day kind of way. Yeah. Like Oblivion had a little bit more of a mellow way of relaxing me after a, after a tough day. Cause it was uh, like, cause Skyrim's got like, I love it, but it's, and it's got this like rough edge, like the rough edged kind of feel to it. Like everything's kind of harsh and makeshift, which, you know, they were kind of going for. Whereas Oblivion, it's like, I'm going to walk through this meadow. It's going to be nice. I'll wreck those, yeah. I have to wreck those two minotaurs to make it nice, but you know, I could do that. Whatever. It's fine. And then, and then you know, after you're done, like, you've got, you know, a lovely lake to look over and, yeah, you know, the grass is playing. You're completely correct. Yeah, it is a very, it's a relaxing game. The, yeah. landscape and the soundtrack is, is uh, the soundtrack is kind of along the same vein where it's very like kind of light and airy. It's like, whereas Skyrim is a lot more kind of like, it's a lot more, you know, well, if you, Viking. And yeah, it's, it's like, Viking and drums, and then I feel like uh, Oblivion soundtrack was an ode to the past, an ode to uh, time before, almost. You know, because my favorite song from um, that game, which I always get the name of it wrong, it's like Ariel's Rising. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure the names of the songs, except for, I think, one and it's in Skyrim, and it's very telling that it's my favorite song in Skyrim. It's Wind Guide You, which is actually a remix of a song from Oblivion. So really? let, uh, let that speak for itself. Like, even though me, just because of my, like, personality and the way that I engage in fiction, I like Skyrim better. But in terms of just walking around exploring and just relaxing instead of walking around exploring and adventuring, it's like Oblivion's got that lockdown of just like being pretty and just having great things to look at just pretty much wherever you turn now i have to i have to say two things about this uh one is that i love i actually feel that skyrim is much more relaxing uh i will go up on the northern coast where it is just like normally you go there to die because it's so cold (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's like the brutal place you either go there to die or it's like where you test your you test yourself kind of thing. And I'm like, I want to live there. Can I build a hut? And uh, (laughs) so the Skyrim atmospheres music comes on. And like, if I've had a bad day at work, that is where I go to relax. Mm. Now don't hate me, but I probably had at least a thousand hours into oblivion. I played that game like crazy, but that also means that there came a point where I needed a new soundtrack. And so what I would do is I would play, Opeth while I was playing Oblivion. <laughs> I will never ever, every time I think of the Shivering Isles, I imagine going through oh, Mania okay. and listening to Damnation by Opeth. No, right. Shivering Isles makes a bit more sense with Opeth because I was yeah. like thinking like mm-hmm. like because I was actually thinking like, okay, Opeth and like Morrowind or Opeth and Skyrim, I could see a bit more. Opeth and Oblivion, it's so idyllic. But then it's like Shivering Isles. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. But Damnation is their, their like, it's not an acoustic album, but it, it, it ultimately is very much like that. It's very calm hmm. compared to their other stuff. No, for, for Morrowind, it was Awaken the Guardian by Fate's Warning, which I would listen to all the time. And it was, it's an amazing album for an amazing game. And I'll, I'll listen to the, uh, to the Morrowind Explore tracks just constantly if I had oh, the yeah. chance. But that's because my nostalgia triggers are all sound-based. Yeah. Mm. Like, it's weird. Yeah. I'm very rarely like nostalgic over something that I see. But then if you play a song, even if it's like a shitty little song from just like some show I watched when I was a kid, 
and be like, oh yeah, those those days. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and it's like that with Morrowind. It's like Morrowind is what got me into a lot of the stuff that I'm into now. So it's like I hear like uh, Blessing of Avec, and I'm like, y'all are Caprice, right? <laughs> uh, and but then like at the same time though, it's not necessarily my go-to relaxation music. I can definitely see why you would need a new soundtrack after a while because like I bought the Skyrim soundtrack and it's four discs versus like the Oblivion soundtrack. Or even the Morrowind like, soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, the Morrowind soundtrack, I think there's like eight or so explore tracks and Oblivion, I think there's like nine. I could have those numbers completely wrong. Uh, but, you know, there's not a lot. Whereas there's like three or four hours of just, just explore tracks, not including yeah. Skyrim Atmospheres. Which is its own track that gets its yeah. own for like forty-five minutes, which 45 is forty-five minutes. Yeah, they're just like nature sounds and like light background instruments. Well, um, I guess I wanted to ask you guys because I kind of wanted to talk about it. It's been ten years since Oblivion. It's been many years since Morrowind. <laughs> Fourteen, I guess. Oh God, where is this going? And it's been it's approaching four years since Skyrim. So, playing all those games, thinking about right now, what do you want to see in the next Elder Scrolls game, and what don't you want to see? Bring back murder penises. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back you up there. <laughs> I tried to keep a straight face, and I couldn't do it at first. I had that. I had no idea where you were going to go with that question. I thought you were going to ask some existential shit about where we've all become as people and was really nervous about it. And then you did that. And I'm just like, dick joke. <laughs> no, it's, I'm not going to ask where we came as people. Oh, man. But, yeah, uh, I've come in some weird places. Uh, but yeah. Oh, well then. <laughs> like in the back of a VW bug. <laughs> I bring the, I bring the common Somewhere. I don't know where I bring it. But okay. But no, as an honest answer, yeah. murder penis. But I'd also like, um, and apparently ESO is doing a good job of this, like multiple interpretations of, of stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, wait. Did you, mean, like, did you mean spears? Is that what you meant? <laughs> uh, you know, either or. Uh, take, okay. you know, <laughs> like spears. I said, multiple interpretations. Take, with it, take from it what you will. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like a lot more. Uh, like just a lot of stuff where as I'm playing the game, I sort of need to engage like my own ability to make decisions. Like yeah. they had a little bit of that, um, a little bit of that in Skyrim and not necessarily very much in quests. Like they had the, uh, in my time of need quest, which is the one where like, you don't get a definitive answer and it's like, Oh, is she the traitor? Is he the traitor? Like, and you don't know. And you sort of have to piece it together yourself and make your own decision. Uh, I like stuff like that. And I feel like if they want to go with the like Thalmor politics angle, they'd have a lot of opportunities to do it where, wherever they decide to set the game. Um, but like, yeah, like politics and uh, I kind of like the religious element of um, the civil war quest line, but I feel like it wasn't like it was addressed, but it wasn't a central enough issue in terms of stuff that you did. Yeah. Until you, you until you pull out the uh, stuff that they didn't put in the game, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like, it's stuff like that. Like some of it, like I've heard some of the stories that it would have been like impossible to implement that sort of thing, like the exploding head shit. But, uh, oh yeah, with the, uh, the, sim the, the symbol yeah, of uh, the, red the diamond thing. imperial diamond. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. That would have been really cool, but I could see why it wasn't in there. 
But uh, yeah, just like more religious stuff, more political stuff, and more kind of leave the interpretation up to the player rather than wrapping up a story with a bow. And I can understand yeah. why that would be hard to do, especially like for a, you know, for a mass audience. But you know, if we can hope. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, they did a very good job of not making the Stormcloaks or the Imperials be clearly the bad guy or the good guy. And they did a very good job of leaving the leaving it up to the player as to whether or not you want to kill Parthenax or not. Mm -hmm. So it's, you so know, I mean, it, yeah. but there was, but unfortunately, the, the worst thing, I mean, I liked the fact that they gave you the choice. And I almost like the fact that they don't really give you a consequence for killing Parthenax. Well, they you know? also don't give you it's, a solution if you choose not to. Like, that was kind of my big criticism of that. Right. Was that that's the only problem go, like, that I really have hey, with it. fuck off on the Dragonborn. I am a yeah. god to you. Do as I say. Like, I would have uh, loved... Apparently somebody modded that in. <laughs> well, oh, like, good. somebody modded yeah. in where you can do that. And, like... But still, like, I would have loved to have seen something like that. Like... Oh, yeah, when Delphine no gives you lip. Yeah. She yeah. gives you so, lip, and you're like, I am your god. Fuck you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What that I'd was, like to, uh, what I'd actually like to see, if I may interrupt. So if you know how in Fallout Three, Fallout New Vegas, and to a little extent Fallout Four, you have, uh, you know, speech abilities. So you could be like, if my speech is so high, I can make them say something different, or I, I want that, you know, almost. Daggerfall-ish, where I run a character class, if you will, through a game. So I have playthroughs where I can play through as a mage, and that's going to be significantly different from an archer or a warrior or uh, a conjurer or some shit. You know, I'd like to see that again. Yeah, the um, I, I, I'm not sure why they decided to despecialize or to allow you to despecialize, but I think it has something to do with the fact that they may have realized that not many people play through their games more than once. I mean, if you give somebody, uh, really? you know, a hundred, yeah, if you, well, well, I mean, it filters people. back to the engaged fan base thing. We're again, we extremely small percentage. Yeah. So like most people are going to play. I mean, I have people at work would tell me, man, I love Skyrim. I played, must play that game for like 30, 40 hours. And I'm just like, okay, great. Get, yeah. get the fuck in my face, noob. And, <laughs> and cause I work with casuals and, um, the, uh, uh, and apparently that's like the sweet spot for a game that somebody's willing to play through once, but never again. If you hit like a 50 hour, like most consumers will apparently hit 50 hours. And then if you give them the option to play again, they're like, nah, no, that's okay. I mean, especially if, I mean, if you, you can entice them with things like new game plus mm -hmm. and you can entice them with things like, um, you know, uh, 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 uh co-op or, or, or some other like, you know, uh, uh, system altering, you know, thing that you can do, uh, new game plus is the only thing that really comes to mind. But the uh, uh, but if you're just saying, well, hey, make a new character and play through it again, then if your game is 50 hours long or so, then it's not likely to happen. Apparently, if you want like a high replay value or if you want replay value for your game and you want people to actually play it more than once, apparently it's supposed to be something like eight to 16 hours is your sweet spot. But if it's any longer than that, people aren't going to play it. I don't know. I, I work at a large box store and. People were still coming in buying Skyrim and being like, "Oh yeah, this game's great, man." Shit like that. I don't so, know where the man came from, but okay. But uh, anyway, so, I think as an adult, it's also different. Like as the median or 
mean median math word age for like who is like the Gonna main demographic of gamers yeah it's like if you're like i'm 26 now i was like 14 when i first bought morrowind i'll replay morrowind because i love it and i'll replay the rest of the elder scrolls games but a game has to be like in my list of favorites for me to play it more than once especially if it's a really long one i understand so, yeah I think it might it might have to do with that a lot too. Like if the primary age for people who play video games was still like, you know, younger, then because they don't have necessarily as many responsibilities, they might have the time to replay a long game more. But I mean, that's just me guessing. I'm not like a child psychologist or anything. So Michael, Chris, got anything that you'd like uh, Bethesda to learn from? <clears throat> these 10 years of oblivion hmm i have things that i'd like them to learn from shivering isles sure which is i really really enjoy crazy ass landscape yeah you know uh i i I, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, they br- they tried to kind of bring it back a little bit in Skyrim. Skyrim's got some very, like you guys have correctly pointed out, I think that Skyrim's visuals are very um, uh, uh, tough and dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, even I would go so far as to say that probably the most relaxing part of Skyrim for me would be the Reach. And it's because I got a kind of a thing for those cherry trees and stuff. Um, but even the reach is still really harsh. There's a lot of rock. There's a lot of sheer cliff. There's a lot of oh yeah, it's crap happening. You know, I mean, it's it's really a lot of people in deer skin trying to stab you. And like, yeah. it looks like it's they been got no armor rating. I can't take a hit. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, this the damn. It's the briar. <laughs> so it's like the you gotta watch out for those guys like are. The again. Oh, it's pretty. I just gotta clear this out a little bit. I just gotta wipe out a couple of netches and some friggin' whatever, and then this the city is mine. Um, <laughs> no, the uh, the the problem with uh, 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 yeah, the Reachmen. It's the it's the briar hearts that, that those guys are rough. But other than that, I. They start planking at me with those dumbass arrows, and I just giggle and shoot. But um, with the uh, uh, with with Oblivion, it was definitely very relaxing and very peaceful. And you could just stand there on the road and listen to the wind whistle through the trees, and it was amazing. And then you would go to Shivering Isles, and the giant contrast in terrain was arresting. I mean, it was apples and oranges you know it was yeah. uh, not even that it was it was it was apples and carburetors it was completely different you know and it, it that's what i really enjoyed about uh shivering isles was walking out of idyllic landscape and into alice in wonderland's rotting corpse you know it was really strange and awful and that was great i mean uh i i don't think um I don't think I remember any scene nearly as clearly from Oblivion except for maybe like you guys said, walking out of the sewers for the first time and seeing that alien ruin ahead of me and going, that looks like a safe place to visit. Uh, but uh, the uh, other than that, it would have been when the, uh, when Haskell's yeah. When yeah. Haskell's like, all right, good luck, have fun. And then the butterflies take the room away. And I'm just like, that's the greatest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, I, was I really just feels like Elder Scrolls moment. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I agree. After after release, it 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they figured it out after the game came out. Okay. I see. They were the first oblivion was just the test. And now we're in the, now the real dark souls begins. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, I, I do kind of, sometimes I do hope that, uh, that uh, if I can jump back to dark scroll, dark souls again, like I sure. always do, if uh, I would like to think that Bethesda could learn something from dark souls, as far as combat goes, yeah. But at the same time, I just don't think that's likely. I think Obliv- I think Elder Scrolls games hit a much have to hit a much wider audience than Dark Souls do does. And unless Dark Souls three sells just way the fuck more than it's going to, um, I don't think it's even going to be on Todd Howard's radar as far as like maybe we should try this this system of balance. You know. Well, well, ultimately. Combat wise, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see fatigue or stamina or whatever used as a uh, resource. You know, when you make a swing, you lose a little bit. Oh, and I see what you mean. Then Instead it of just power attacks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I really just haven't thought attacks. about stamina since Morrowind, if I'm yeah, being honest. Exactly. Like, stamina has come kind of <clears throat> useless, except in Skyrim when you're sprinting. That's all you use it for. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I remember my first character in Skyrim, I leveled my stamina up to the point where I, I was like, the only thing I want to be able to do is run from Breezeholm to uh, the entrance of the castle. Yeah, you <laughs> and like that was and when I was able to make that distance and I had enough stamina to make the distance, I was like, well, I'm not putting any more points into that. Well, you take the steed so you can run in heavy armor real easy and then yeah. you I what I would do is depending if I was playing a melee character, I just put all my stuff into stamina. I do five stamina, one HP, five stamina, one HP. So I just run at your face and kill you. Yeah, you're one of those guys who plays Dark Souls and just has a giant stamina bar and no health. Uh yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because in the words of uh, Piccolo, dodge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too I bad at to play Dark Souls, so some of the gameplay mechanics Me stuff too. is going over my head. But I, I would like to see it. That's play. what I do. <laughs> like, well, I, I would like to see field and and a, and a and a and a rapier, and I just hide. I, I've heard it exhaustively <laughs> analyzed, but I've never actually played through it. So I sort of under, I at least understand what you guys are getting at with like the balance is very, like it's kind of the knife's edge between like hard enough to be punishing, but not so but, hard to be frustrating. Yeah, hard but fair is what you're looking yeah. for. I could see yeah. why, like a mass market game series like Elder Scrolls. Wow, that's weird to say. Still, um, <laughs> kind of. A, I came into it with Morrowind. It wasn't a mass market thing at the time. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's, yeah. uh, so, but it's still like I'm proud of them. But it's still weird to say. Um, but it's like I could see why that might not fly as much though, because it is like, especially because combat isn't the only thing you do. Right. Like if it was, if it was focused on combat, like if it was more of a more of an action game than an exploration game. But Sky, but Sky, yeah, it's an exploration game, but combat is... It is combat focused. It's definitely it's a part of it. And yeah. I just want to see combat fleshed out in a way where you have to make choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want there to be... You know, because you know how Magicka is, that you have so much Magicka, you can only use so many spells with your Magicka. Yeah. I want to see um, stamina or fatigue become a resource yeah i could see like at least using it as a severe like if it ran out and your attack took like i also hit 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I also want to see dodging, not dodge rolling. I want to physically see. Like, get the fuck I out side step. Kind of thing. Yeah. I can yeah. sidestep, you know, and I want my enemies to be able to do that too. Yeah. It's uh, notoriously difficult to do that in first person. It is, yes. That's mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why you don't have dodge rolling and dodging in general in Skyrim or any Elder Scrolls game is because in first person it's dodge very rolling hard to do. It's, or not more with oblivion. It's just yeah. Like, dodge roll. You get your agility so high, you go into snake mode and you can roll around. And it was hilariously fun and useless, yeah. but it was fun. If you yeah. did it in third person, it looked so ridiculous to see a dude in like full Daedric armor just do a backflip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what did I do? Like, another thing like, another thing I'd like to see them <laughs> add is I want the return of birth signs, but I want it returned yeah. differently. Um, I want you to be able to put perks into your birth sign. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you're an Atronach, for instance, it'll play different than the Steed. Yeah, yeah. I also yeah. want there. I also want there to be perk points into your race. Okay. Right. So, yeah. So you, you're so definitely you, straying more towards the specialized instead of the yeah, general. There was attribute differences in uh, in Morrowind and Oblivion, but I think it exactly. feels like it's cosmetic in Skyrim more than anything else. It is. But yeah, there were definitely like granted by the time you'd gone up a few levels, it didn't matter anymore. But there was definitely stat differences uh, for different races. Especially, like I remember it especially in Morrowind because it had such an immediate effect. Like if you didn't have enough strength and you tried to swing a sword at the dude. You just would miss repeatedly. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. if you <laughs> wanted to play a warrior, <laughs> if you wanted to play a warrior character as a race that wasn't like naturally you picked, to yeah. that, you picked Redguard. <laughs> well, I picked Nord, but no. <laughs> Redguard yeah. master race. Look at my beard. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my fucking hair. I got the fucking well, this is, going. This is actually going to be interesting to go when, when uh, uh, the next Elder Scrolls game comes out. I think it's probably a very safe bet to say that the uh, that like Fallout 4, their construction kit is going to be um, console compatible. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting because a lot of the people who... that While it is certainly true that a large percentage of Dark Souls fans are PC gamers, um, the, the series started on consoles and I think console gamers are a little bit more predisposed to a third person control system than PC gamers are. I, I'm, I might be talking out of my ass there, but it's, it's, it's I, it sounds reasonable to experience kind of, yeah. I wouldn't say so, so because of the first, I mean, the first person no, becoming, becoming so famous yeah, with Halo and Call of Duty yeah. 2. Well, but I'm thinking about melee stuff here. First-person yeah. shooters, definitely. But like, uh, if, you, if you're thinking more of a sword and sorcery game, then yeah. I would say kinda. Like, yeah, I play pretty much exclusively on console, but again, like Elder Scrolls experience skewed things a little. But if you're talking uh, like about sorcery, I would agree. Yeah, I'm used to personally doing more Elder Scrolls than anything else, and I play it in first person. But there's stuff like I'm looking at my. Uh, at my shelf right now, and I'm seeing things like Dragon Age, Fable, Zelda. It's like that's all third person. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually, I actually played uh, Oblivion a lot in third person when I first yeah, started playing it. Yeah. I actually did really? that when yes. So when Skyrim added that kind of really nice over the shoulder camera, I was really, I really liked that because I actually liked yeah, the, seeing my character. The third person view wasn't much in Oblivion, but no, yeah. there was. It was third person view, and you had to really try to be able to aim. It was first person that skewed back from where your actual center was. Yeah, it's like it felt like it was first person with your a picture of you in the way, 
kind of. <laughs> it felt that way in Morrowind too, but like it didn't affect me much because again, like the way I play Elder Scrolls is like get as immersed as possible style of thing. So it's like it kind of fits to be in first person. But at the same time, it's like I feel like a third person option that was a little bit more viable would also be pretty cool. Yeah, and so, it's it's one of the things that I'm, I'm hoping that we get is some uh, really like well thought out mods, balance mods, and combat mods for the next Elder Scrolls game that are made by fans for you know Elder Scroll for uh, Dark Souls style gameplay. I think that's definitely something that's that's an achievable goal. They've already got a lot of Dark Souls inspired gameplay mods for Skyrim. It's just because of the nature of the way the animation works and the way the third person camera works. It doesn't really it, yeah. you can't quite hit that spot. So I wanted to say that uh, there's two things I really want to see in Elder Scrolls VI. Uh, one is the obvious thing where you have all the different crafting stuff and like be a farmer if you want to that's in Skyrim, because I think that's great for RP. But the other thing is something that's been a part of Elder Scrolls, and it really became aware of it in Oblivion, and that's the here's a story, but we're not going to tell you it's a story. It's almost exactly like it is in Dark Souls. You know, I'm, I'm walking around Skyrim and I see this house on fire. I walk in and here's the guy who, who is dead and in his hand is a, a scroll of Summon Flame Atronach. And I'm like, oh, you yeah, did not yeah. know what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Or if you go in Shivering Isles and you spend a lot of time underground, you find these books that start to talk about maybe the Shivering Isles is all connected and these roots are like the actual mind of the realm and all this kind of crazy stuff. But you'd never find it unless you spent all the time down there. I love that. I yeah. mean, and, and Dark Souls does that fantastically. And I would love to yeah. see more of that. There's yeah, some, Bethesda, uh, go ahead. Uh, Bethesda does that overall. I was actually at a, uh, a panel called Video Games Make You a Better Writer. Nice. And uh, it was it was great because uh, this one writer was talking about actually he used Fallout 3 as one of his favorite examples because there's uh, if you find a, a dried out lake bed, there's like houses around the rim of it. If you go up, you find a skeleton just sitting in a chair on the dock with a couple of empty beer bottles. And it's like just that moment of like, OK, well, we know what he did, decided to do with his last moments. And it's like. It's just these powerful moments that they don't have to spend time and money on writing a script and on finding talent and like doing all these like, you know, these chains of like cause and effect. It's just like we're just going to put this stuff here because it's probably better in your head than we could ever actually make it. Right. That's exactly right. But there's uh, there's several people point out all the time like there's a there's a skeleton on the side of a glacier in Skyrim with holding a flag. And people are like, what's going on there? And the answer is whatever the fuck you want. You know, there's the there's the giant woolly mammoth that's been nailed to the side of a glacier with oh, yeah. spears. And everybody's like, holy crap, what happened here? And the answer is, well, I don't know. Where <laughs> you find uh, Luke Skywalker that's failed? He's... Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was it, uh, is that in Blood Moon, I think it was? It was like, it I was in Blood Moon as well, I think. Uh, I know oh, it was definitely in Blood Moon, Moon but I think it was in Skyrim, too. Mm-hmm. Oh well, but, it was uh, of course it was in Blood Moon and it was in Solstheim in Skyrim, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or it was Solstheim in uh, Morrowind? I thought. Yeah, I'm in both kidding. is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, okay. I think it was in oh, both. Yeah, I was, was checking. Uh, I saw. I was checking the Facebook. Uh, then, selector of chat. course, in Skyrim, how you had the uh, lady in the lake. Yes, mm-hmm. that's one of them. 
Yeah. Uh, but I think the final thing I've because I know mine's more gameplay oriented than lore oriented because at this point I'm just like uh, Lord Shick, our savior, please <laughs> give us all the dank lures. But yes. um, <laughs> yes. um, the final thing I want to see is I want to see more puzzles. Like honestly, mm. I I where you know hard puzzles, not puzzles. Like okay, so in Oblivion had a few puzzles that she had to do. Uh, some of them were ah crap. Where's the what's the name of the place for the really big uh, which we call it stone is the blue one. I forget. Welkinstone. Welkinstone. Yeah the the main Welkinstone that's at the center of all the city states. It's in the name of the quest. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, like, it's on the tip of my tongue. I know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Mark, yes, that's it. But right. So sorry yeah, if I blew out your audio, listeners. Or, or like uh, in the, for instance, in the Knights of the Nine, when you're doing the Julianos one, and you had to do a bunch of puzzles to get to it, and it was actually really challenging. I remember it took me like a week to do it. Or in Morrowind, where in a certain quest you had to drown yourself with that's what the riddle was, and you pretty much had to drown yourself, otherwise you couldn't continue. Wasn't that in Vivek's Palace? Yes. And you know what we got in Skyrim? You walk on some tiles. Yeah, you walk you on know, some you tiles. Got little, you got the little rotating, you know, doohickeys with the three symbols on them. You know. Yeah. And oh, which yeah, are yeah. which symbols are hidden all over the rooms everywhere, so I think it says a lot that I forgot those existed until you said that, and I just finished playing Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> but as anyway, far as puzzles being challenging goes. The point is, is that Skyrim, there's like too much brute force involved, I feel like. You know, there was no sit back, think about it, do it. Yeah. Uh, because I'd like to think that these ancient tombs and things are not looted for a reason. Because someone couldn't figure out how to get through them. It's not like they walk in there and go, oh, everyone in Tamaril is really an idiot because there's the, uh, you know. It's on the wall, the masses. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the wall, literally. Yeah, yeah there, was a, there, was, uh, there was a puzzle in Oblivion in a Skyrim where you have to stand on a plate. And then these walls, these little uh, nooks in the wall would have uh, rotating uh, like a, a blinder or something, and eventually rotate around and show you the symbol. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and you had cool. to stand on it and wait for them to rotate, like one by one, so that you could spot all four symbols that you needed. And all you have to do is just stand there and look. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's actually you write something there. down. There's a book <laughs> that tries to cover that a little bit. I forget the name of it, but it's where this uh, one adventurer is talking to another who's on his deathbed, and he says that the point of the puzzles, at least in Nordic tombs aren't to keep other people in uh, out aren't to keep yeah. other people out it's to keep the drogger in right uh, which mm-hmm. makes sense but at the same time it doesn't explain why it's like all right well i'm this mercenary who's down on my luck there's that tomb over there i'm just gonna go loot the shit out of that thing because all i have to okay. do is turn this rock so it looks like a whale yeah okay <laughs> you know what that's a really good point and i just want to bring up okay if i want nothing else from the next elder scrolls game if nothing if like you know like you can ignore like todd howard i know you're watching these videos I, because you're as a lore nerd as everybody else is i know this you have Shut nothing up. better to do it's not like you're busy okay it's not like you run a business yeah not but, like you're the director uh, like, of your triple a game series or anything right you know i mean you got plenty of time on your hands stop pretending um 
but the but if I want nothing else from the next Elder Scrolls game, it's when you go into a dark dungeon that's been closed for a thousand years. Don't put fucking lit torches in it. Yeah, Ooh. that's a, yeah. like four years before. Like no, seriously, I want I want um, make light spells. I want torches. Yeah. I want I want yes. torches I can I, interact with. You know, yeah. Yeah. And, I want, and I want night eye spells to actually be useful. Again, yes. is there even still night eye in Skyrim? I don't think uh, it was. Yeah, for the, 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 yeah, the, the, the Kaji and the vampires had it, and it was useless. Okay, because I knew there were light spells. It was, it was, it was useful, except in oh. the Dawn Guard dungeons, which were so dark it didn't matter. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they would, think, they'd black level you all to nothing. Yeah, you can see. Yeah, yeah. There should definitely be a sense of boldness. Like my thing wasn't even the yeah. torches. Like, I grant that that's a thing, and that that is kind of a, a internal consistency issue. But my thing is, if you're finding a book that was written by a character who is alive at this point, who is like a normal human, like what's that cookbook that you can find in Skyrim? Oh, like yeah. Apparently it's tied to like a Dark Brotherhood quest. Gourmet. Be, yeah, because the way loot is spawned, you'll sometimes find that book in tombs that supposedly haven't yeah. been touched in like 3,000 right. years. It's like, all right, somebody is, somebody is having me on right now. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. the guy who told me this was 5,000 years old or... The gourmet Yeah, <laughs> that's the you know. I mean, it does yank you right out when you yeah. when you you're. I'm about to descend into an ancient tomb that's been sealed for a thousand years, and apparently, okay, look, really, all you had to do was give the Draugr an animation where they're lighting torches. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, mean, I understand. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why you don't have torches all over Skyrim's dungeons that are dynamically lit is because dynamic lighting in Skyrim is more expensive than static lighting. Yeah, you know. So, uh, so there's actually a really good reason why those torches are lit, and that's because they had to have a lit torch there, and they couldn't turn it off because of it would tank your, well, it wouldn't yeah. tank your uh, your frame rate, but it would lower it just enough. You know? And it would take time and money on their part that could be better spent in other places. Right, yeah. exactly. It's like allocation or, of resources, you got to do it. Or what would have been cool if the whole dungeon was just dark and you had to take a torch down in there. Yeah, and you did it yourself. Then, and then you walk in, and then you hear some sounds, and all of a sudden you see a bunch of blue eyes. Down yeah, there, and you're like, there was actually, uh, "Fuck this! I'm out of here." <laughs> that exact moment is in Fable Three, and it's literally my favorite moment of the game. Yeah, that exact thing happens, and I'm like, "All right, that was a lot more uh, creepy than I expected out of a Fable game." But all right, let's let's move it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that's definitely like if we're going on wish fulfillment, like. Dungeons that feel old would definitely, yeah. you know, be appreciated. If they are designed to be old, that is. Yeah, of yeah, course. Like that's true. If it's, somebody, if it's somebody's palace that you're infiltrating for like a Dark Brotherhood thing, that's one thing. But if it's like yeah. some okay. ancient tomb buried beneath the sands of Hammerfell or like some glimmer ruin under, you know. Oh, you know what? You know what else? Fuck it. I have one last one because I always have one last one. <laughs> More I want to see. I, no, yeah, well, yes, but I'd also like to see non-lethal options. Yes. Mm, I want yeah. hand-to-hand to return. I just want you to knock the shit out of someone. I want you to take a blackjack, knock them out, hide them in a pot or some shit. I don't know. Yes. You know? That would be nice. Yeah. Uh, just because just because um, when I'm a thief, I want to not be seen. I want to steal your shit. I don't want to kill you. You know? Right. It hurts the role play. Well, I mean, I, I know it goes against the whole... Reach heaven through violent shit, but fuck you, Vivek. I do what I want. <laughs> not not everybody right. is trying right. to do the walking. Uh, Some people just want to make a living. 
Speaking of speaking of, uh, of of reach heaven by violence, the uh, sermon sixteen just went up on the New Orleans School, Ooh. where hey. I talked specifically about that line. Um, so that's up, and hopefully I'll remember to post on Reddit about that. Um, but the uh, like non-lethal playthroughs haven't really been tremendously popular in most games. I assume because it's really goddamn hard to develop. I mean, like, just from a, well, if you don't kill them, then A, and if you do kill them, then B, and you have to code for both A and B, which makes sense when I think about it. But um, Hey, man, I did a pacifist challenge in Skyrim with using only Illusion. Really? Wow. Yeah, that, no. I How did well, you get anything done? Okay, basically, uh, in certain areas, you are forced to kill, obviously. But, right. the, the, you know, you have to kill Alduin, you have to kill... Um, Anyway, it was a pain in the ass. Basically, how it goes is that the if we're doing it technically, you just can't have anything saying you killed so many things. It has to be zeros. So you use the rage, use uh, restoration to make the Draugr kill each other or run away in fear and run into traps. Stuff like that. Okay. Wow. So they can kill each other, but you yeah. can't. Okay, that's right. Okay, you also that can't sounds use like a real son of a bitch. Yeah, that sounds really it is hard. A son of a bitch. It took so when I was low level and I was clearing uh, the first, you know, where you find the gold claw key. That mm -hmm. took me like an hour and thirty minutes to clear. Something wow. that, yeah, something that, <laughs> something that takes you know ten minutes maximum. Well. Yeah, I remember uh, the first time I did the uh, Horn of Jurgen Windcaller. Yeah, uh, in Skyrim, it took me an eternity to get through that dungeon because yeah. I, you know, like the first time you go through Skyrim, you're looting absolutely everything. Oh yeah, and, um, Ooh, and it took me forever to get through that dungeon. I just did it earlier today on a new character playthrough, and I just ran through the son of bitch. I'm like, whatever. Yeah, because you know what? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I was like, wasn't there wasn't there a chest over here? Yes, there was. Okay, uh, you know, and that was you know, yeah. Oh, well, it's all old hat now. Yeah. Well, that's the thing because we were talking about like how we play through the games earlier, and I'm like, my first playthroughs are nothing like what I described. Like, just to avoid spoilers on the internet, and I know it's a long game, so I get a bit of a buffer zone. But mm -hmm. like, I will the first time like I put an Elder Scrolls game into my disc drive, it's just run through the main quest. Like, get through it just to get, like, the main quest plot and to just know, like, okay, what's the state of Tamriel at the end of this? And mm -hmm. then after that, then I do the, all right, let's explore everything in this goddamn world now. Uh, I'm the I'm literally I the opposite, yeah. <laughs> I, spend week, I spend a week running around Skyrim doing weird shit, and then I go, oh, yeah, there's that main quest thing. Yeah. Now I just, uh, just to avoid spoilers on the internet, because, you know, I usually at least have it open whether I'm doing something else or not, like I just have the tabs open. So just to avoid stumbling across something. Yeah, that's a good question. What, uh, what, what character classes, what kind of character play style did you use your first time through Oblivion? My first time through Oblivion. And why was it Stealth Archer? <laughs> why was it Stealth Archer? Um, it wasn't, you know, I don't really remember my first character is the thing. Cause I would remake my characters all the time, but mm -hmm. I remember um, what, my uh, my character class became basically it was the assassin with a, our acrobatics removed, um, 
uh, Illusion added, and I'm under the Atronach, and I was a Dark Elf, the Dunmer. And that was my character class. And he was named Seth, and I did everything on that character. Hmm. Mine was uh, the... Yeah, Okay. Um, Yeah, you go. Go Mine, uh, I actually remember because this was when I was like 15 years old. So I did some uh, hidden fan fictions that still exist on the internet that kind of catalog this. They still exist, and I still get like notifications occasionally. Um, but it's uh, it was a tweaked kind of whatever the magic knight, like the magic warrior hybrid class was. Uh, Battle mage? Huh? Battle mage? Or I think did you do Battle. Crusader? Was, I think it was a tweaked, tweaked Battle mage. Like I made my own class and just changed it so that I could like I added in one skill and removed another to make him level faster. Yeah. And uh, he was an imperial vampire, uh, and just like you know, powered through it, did the main quest. Um, but yeah, it was uh, just kind of a warrior because I feel like that's the faster one. And that was, again, that's the way I do my first playthrough is kind of the go kind of quickly through the main quest style of thing. Yeah, my uh, my first character in Oblivion was Celis Marcus Octavius Draconis, uh, whose name did not fit. <laughs> I would imagine that. <laughs> so that had to be Celis Octa- or uh, Marcus Octavius, and uh, Paladin, which was my care. I, I played a Paladin in uh, in Morrowind as well. Basically, a type of battle mage. I did not find uh, magic to be terribly useful in Oblivion, as far as destruction magic. Everything else was awesome. Like alteration, forget about it. Everybody, but destruction, like to do a pure mage in robes with destruction and oblivion, not a chance. Nope. Yeah. Destruction uh, was really underwhelming. It was yeah, really I had underwhelming. It. I had it on my skill list. I think I used it in the opening dungeon and never again. <laughs> that was it. Yep, me too. Me too. Though what I ended up, the guy I ended up playing the most was a Dunmer vampire kind of assassinish kind of character. Uh, stealth melee. I never got into stealth uh, archery. I just, I, I never got into oh. it. Stealth melee was hard. It was hard, but fantastic. You oh, used yeah. a lot of illusion. A lot of illusion. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I, I, I ended up, the last character I played in Oblivion ended up with 140% chameleon. Wow. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the glitch where you had all the chameleon on all your parts so you just ran around like a yeah. ghost poking people yep yep yeah you, you just hit I, people yep. and you would yep. go into combat and they'd be like oh my god they pull out their sword and then run anywhere like a chicken with their head cut off just ah <laughs> and then, and then that. Sword up. oh well must have been my imagination put that sword up yeah. i did find that the <laughs> xbox <laughs> I did find the Xbox 360 got grumpy if you did uh, like 140% chameleon, and it uh, after a while it would just crash. So I couldn't really do that. Yeah, I, I will say that the funniest moments of any Elder Scrolls game do come from Stealth Archer, because yeah, it is the dudes with the yeah. arrow sticking out of their yes, goddamn nose, right. going yeah. must have been the wind. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, walks away. It's so true. I gotta, I I gotta cut back Are on the score. Sticking out the back of his head. Like, yeah. like, you have a high-powered bow in Skyrim, and you shoot somebody in the face, it is sticking out the back of their head. Yeah. And like, must have been the wind. I'm just going to go back to walking in my circle. That's right. <laughs> that was awesome. 
It's so that, was the other, that was the other thing about Skyrim that made me eventually the first character I played in Skyrim turned into a stealth archer, as we always do. We always cave and just go yeah. fuck the shit. And it's just turn fun. Into a stealth Even archer. Yeah, like a warrior, I'll do some dungeons as a stealth archer when I'm at a high level just to fuck around and have fun. And well, that's the thing. But, that's the thing about the, but the problem with Skyrim was that they would do like dialogue with like the bad oh, guys yeah. where you'd be walking, you'd be stealthing through a dungeon and you'd hear lines about sometimes it was plot related. And if I was yeah. just running through sword and boarding it, I missed that shit. And I didn't want to yeah. miss it. Yeah. Or even just moments of- so retarded <laughs> <laughs> that, that dwarven crossbow, man. I mean, I don't care what you did. You, you would be like, Oh boy, it's a storm at or something. And like click, no worries. <laughs> yeah, just awesome. Uh, how about Pachunk? Okay, that's the end of that. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> yeah, the um, I, and I was not at all surprised to discover that uh, Fallout Four, uh, lo and behold, turned into uh, oh look, I've got a sniper rifle and it's yeah, it's silenced and I'm a stealth archer all over again. I've only played Fallout Four when I was at my family's house for Christmas because my younger brother has it. It's literally the only thing I did. I just walked around, looked for places I knew in real life because oh, I'm yeah. from Boston. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is really tiny <laughs> uh, compared to the real version. It is. Hey, it, it is. You got to it's three buildings. I understand the limitations of it, but I'm like, wow, it took me two minutes to get from Fenway to Alston. That takes a lot longer in real life. And then I would just go around sniping people because it's fun as shit. <laughs> hey, I played, I played a high intelligence, high strength um, power armor build. I walked around beating the shit out of everyone with a sword. <laughs> that's, li- that's literally my next playthrough for Fallout 4 is going to be high intelligence melee. Nice. And it's because science is ridiculous in Fallout 4. But um, that's, yeah, that's kind of like, I mean, I, I, the scale thing is a problem, but I mean, you know, if you took took a Nord and showed him Skyrim, he'd be like, White Run is not that small. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. Only, it's only a model is the... Uh, yeah. It's only a model. <laughs> that would go around. I think it was Daria who said it a lot back in, mm-hmm. back in the day of uh, when I actually used forums for stuff instead of just Facebook. Um, I th- yeah, I think I, she was the first person I saw saying that straight up of just like the, the scale where like uh, the Imperial City is like more like D.C. or New York or yeah, yeah. or something like that just to as a in terms of like how the characters would see it but like obviously there's only so many resources you can put into there was a there was an oblivion mod that tried to expand the size of of uh of the imperial city and i remember reading the patch notes on it and they said you know certain finish the vanilla campaign before you do this because pathing is buggy and I had not finished the vanilla campaign, so I loaded it up, and I and most of the time I had to follow somebody. They ended up walking into a wall and just yeah. with their head against a, with their head up against that wall, just like <laughs> I'll make it through eventually. Quantum mechanics says it's statistically probable that I can pass through this. Thing. <laughs> and yeah, but uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like I think somebody somebody said it the way that I kind of tend to think of it is if you scaled it up so that it would be for lack of a better word, accurate to what it would actually be, the entire map of, of Oblivion and then some would be filled with just the Imperial City if yeah. it was, uh, if it was to true. scale. It would take but, forever to get from one place to another, and it would be fucking dull because there'd be either, nothing. There'd be nothing between one place and another. It'd, just be, it'd be like walking around in Daggerfall. It'd be shit dull. 
There's yeah. there's like trees and mobs and nothing else. If it was the whole game, or if, yeah, but that was the whole thing. You like, know, I'd like to see I'd like to see Bethesda bring back Elder Scrolls Adventure games, and I'd like to see one set only in the Imperial City. Yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking of going next with that, where it's like it would be if good. It yeah. was like in detail, just the city. That would be pretty cool. And make it more massive. Like you know, you have the Alien Elysian era, you'd have the Raymond era, you'd have uh uh God, the Septum era. So think of like really old European cities. It's like you have that yeah. like that's a real thing. Like they could look at real cities for inspiration for how to do that, where it's like, oh, in real life you have like Rome, you have these like thousands of year old ruins, and then you have these hundreds of year old ruins, and then you have, you know modern buildings and it's all sort of smashed together in a certain amount of space and it's like that makes for a really cool look yeah definitely Ziegler you've you've played ESO way the hell more than I have have you made it to the Imperial City yet I did I just got the DLC this weekend how is it size-wise um, I mean. Uh, you, you well, I don't know because I die every three and a half minutes oh, and then give up. And- you know, it's not size though, really. <laughs> it's how you make you really. What what I've been able to get to, I really like. It's uh, it's amazing, and you know, the few characters that I've talked to are really interesting, and it sounds like it's going to have a lot of cool plots. But uh, you can't go more than about fifty feet and die. Uh, every every everything I run into is leveled like sixteen levels higher than me, and I'm like, come on! Oh, is it PvP or is it just? It's most it's a P, it's both PvP and PVE, but oh, okay. it just like think of it as it's just like Cyrodiil. It's basically oh, okay. it's mostly PvP. Okay, but, but the uh, oh, so you mean when everything's higher level than you? You talk about Bob's or other players? Both both oh okay <laughs> no yeah matter. yeah I'm, I'm what am i i'm second level veteran and i'm running up against 16th level veteran uh dramora who are in like three or four of them and they're like oh look a human let's kill it or actually Khajiit in this case let's rape it <laughs> i i understand yeah i understand the uh thieves thieves guild dlc is uh, uh level agnostic you can play it at any yes. level is very appealing does it scale or does it just say fuck you? No, it, it apparently uh, the missions that you do for like that, like you do a lot of dailies, but they're like um, like thievery missions. You know, oh, yeah. apparently it's supposed to be like uh, the idea is that it, you're, you're sneaking around stealing from people. So mm-hmm. it's not really level dependent in that respect. So it's like you're actually like doing thief guild stuff instead of these big like conspiracy things. Um, yes. Imagine that. Wow. <laughs> right. That's a shock. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be really. It's supposed to be really quite a thing, and uh, I I really need to get around to playing it. Yeah, I'm excited to play it. I've been uh, building up a thief character, and you never level up for anything. And uh, the only way to level up in ESO is to do quests, and that frustrates me deeply. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. with, having, having the dailies, I think that'll hopefully change that. Hopefully, yeah. I'd say if anything, that's my biggest criticism of ESO is that it's an online role playing. It's an MMO. If it wasn't an MMO, I'd be I'd fucking adore it. It'd be amazing, right. you know. Well, that's but, probably it's like I get that with a couple games. It's like first off, I mean, I, like I said, I don't actually have the hardware to play ESO at the moment, um, or the Old Republic. Now that I think about it, but both of those games, it's like kind of the big reason that I was so standoffish when they first came out was the uh, the MMO thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. So I have to admit, this weekend I've been playing with a uh, a new guild, and they basically they're Old Mary Dominion, and they just run around and wreck the map. 
and it's fantastic. <laughs> we got 20 people who know what they're doing, and we just slaughter everything, and it is glorious to be a part of. Oh, is this a PvP guild? It's a PvP, yeah, PvP yeah, okay. guild, and uh, it is super fun. But What platform uh, are you on? PS4. Hey, I got that. Too much longer. Hey, I got that. Cool, man. I uh, uh, probably make a character. Let's yeah. do it. We I shall, we shall adventure. That, uh, crossplay might be a thing in the near future. <sighs> so let for, it be. So let, let it, it be. be. Yeah, indeed. If it is, because like I'm normally an Xbox guy, so if it is, I'll probably eventually get an Xbox. When they announce Elder Scrolls Six, there's going to be an, an Xbox One in my home. But uh, at the same time, though, it's you, like you, you think Elder Scrolls Six is going to come out in time for the Xbox One? I. It might be at the tail end, but I think it'll do it. I think so. I hope. If it, if it does, though, it will be very close to the end. It might be like just under the wire, but we'll see. I might skip a generation. Like I've done it with. I used to play Nintendo stuff a lot, but I haven't. I haven't touched a Wii U for more than maybe twenty minutes collectively. Wow. So I might like if the new Zelda comes out on the uh, the new one, whatever that is, then uh, there's a fair chance that I'll just straight up skip the Wii U if I get that one at all. But if uh, yeah, if Elder Scrolls Six skips. Uh, Xbox One, then there's a fair chance I will too. You know, um, any of you guys play Witcher 3? No, but I want to. It's on my backlog. A, a little bit, yeah. Okay. I, I'm Witcher 3. Sorry, I haven't played much of it. No, it's fine. Witcher 3 was the best game I played in 2015. Honestly. I've heard that from a lot of people. Um, yeah. I've heard it's I, tired of winning things. I <laughs> I would I would like uh, Bethesda to learn from them. Just I know it's. I just like them to learn from them. It'd be nice. Well, Witcher Three's not in the same competition no, as it's uh, not. as Elder Scrolls. Yeah, they they make way more money than than uh, than The Witcher did. <laughs> yeah, but I would like them to learn from them far as uh, story and um, like the way the world felt. I mean, you really felt like you were in a time of war and authoritarian dictators and underhanded mean people and everything is gray you know there's no good or evil only choice and consequence and i really like that i feel like that was in morrowind a lot or to a degree anyway too so it's definitely not wholly unfamiliar territory to bethesda well, yeah sure. but i'd like to i'd like to see it again oh yeah i'd love to see more of that too it's like the great stuff is beautiful it fits in with the gray maybe ideology if you will yeah exactly yes I don't. I. I. I understand. I understand that Marin's Dagon is a big bad, you know, in a, in oblivion, and oh, gotta stop the Daedric invasion. Oh, gotta stop the Daedric invasion again. ESO, because more like Bow, it's gonna put chains on everything. <laughs> but bondage. But you know, at least oblivion had Mancar Cameron. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing too. It's all from uh, a mortal perspective though like if you want to maybe it's a little bit of post hoc reasoning but it's like eh, well you know if you are a human living in tamriel you probably don't want you know everything destroyed so even if it's to what could be considered a higher purpose it's still got that gray of like well from me as the perspective of you know whatever dude human living in cyrodiil you know maybe i'm not cool with this idea of uh destroying the world to build something better because I kind of live here. Right. I know, but it, it's, it's just, where I keep all my stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got this sick-ass sword. It's Daedric. I enchanted the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It's just a trope that's been revisited, what, three times now? With yeah. Battlespire, Oblivion, and then now ESO. Yeah. And then semi-recycled even in uh, in Skyrim, except with dragons instead of Daedra. Just put scales on them. It's like, yeah. The whole the whole outside threat thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, I understand that it's kind of an epic fantasy staple. And Trope, yeah. It makes sense to use it, but at the same time, it's like if you use it for every installment, it's like, all right, guys, you know, if you face a literal world-ending catastrophe every couple decades, that might be a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Whereas it's like I definitely would like the idea, since, you know, kind of filtering back to the wishful thinking for the next game, if it was more like Thalmor versus uh, Empire stuff. Which is another reason I wanted Hammerfell because they're technically a neutral party. Oh no, Hammerfell's not neutral to the Almeri Dominion. You can no, tell yourself that. That's the thing. They're not. They're not neutral realistically, but they're not like legally a part of the Empire or the Dominion. And I'm like, okay, you could have so many opportunities for political storytelling of each side kind of wrangling, and you know, your character being the the deciding factor. It's called their uh, returning to the roots of Cyrus and raiding all the shit from everywhere. Yeah, it's like, where's the money in that kind of, <laughs> right, kind right, of shit? Right. Yeah, that's, that would be a lot of fun, I have to say, to be able to play sides in, yeah. uh, that, in, a, in the, in yeah. the, in the Thalmor War. Yeah, Yeah, because yeah. I, want, I want to join the – I mean, if you will, quote-unquote, join the bad guy. You know? mm-hmm. I want, so like in, like in Morrowind, how there were so many different factions – and certain factions hated other factions. Your disposition would go up and down depending on who you're with. Even though it didn't yeah. really matter, but it did. I love that too. Yeah, it was I, awesome. I'd, I'd like to see that again, and I'd like to see multiple different endings depending on um, who you side with, if you will. And oh, then yeah. just just leave the outcome kind of like now you got to think about it after the ending. Yeah, there's definitely a. Uh... You know, like I've, that shit again. I want to see it. Yeah, I've mapped out like my entire ideal of the next several games, and I don't. I'm not under the illusions that it's it'll follow happen. that, yeah, or anything. But it's definitely like I would love for either Hammerfell, elsewhere, and then uh, Somerset Isles and Valenwood, or if that's too much to hope for, Hammerfell and just the whole Dominion. Yeah, and then like wrap that plot, wrap that Thalmor plot line there for a couple installments, and come up with something else. But uh, again, this is just like kind of wishful thinking, since this is a very nostalgia-heavy podcast. May as yeah. well move forward as well, right? Yep, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. that's a nostalgia-heavy podcast. <laughs> well, um, we've been going for an hour and a half about oh. roughly Oblivion. So more or less roughly. Um, I don't know if we have a set date for the next podcast. We Uh, we are kind of running out of steam here. Uh, we're hitting on all, we've hit all the really big stuff. And until we start getting into the really, really boring parts of obscure lore, like, uh, you know, spaceships, real spectrography. Well, that might be nice to do an, uh, an oblivion cast in the respect that we talk about oblivion, like space stuff. But, um, Yeah, I, I might I might try to see if I could figure out a way to explain dimensional relationships in uh, in the Elder Scrolls and the way 
Nern is uh, Mundus is inside of Oblivion is inside of Aetherius. You and I should definitely uh, talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, like I can I can I can I can understand it in my head, but I can't put it out of my mouth in any kind of reasonably coherent way. <laughs> Speaking of you and I should X, a few episodes ago, I think we had a we mentioned that we had to bookmark like are the Thalmor right or not? Ooh. And that one. Oh, I'm on the side of not yes. Yes, and yes, I yes. That would be fun. And then just before this podcast, we were talking about our alleged Dagothur podcast. Yeah, which we which we keep sidling up to, but never actually do. Yeah. Yep. But I feel like Um, energy for these will probably like our energy for doing these will probably go up uh, the closer we get to a new like numbered entry in the series. Oh, really? I would imagine. Like, I'll probably I'll do these whenever. I don't care if I'm if I'm available, I'll do them. But like, I feel like you know people are busy and stuff happens. So if or that's no, the case, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a very long time until you hear from us again. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, we could, we could uh, find a bunch of people with certain worldviews and have us argue it and uh, right. um, share oh, a product. Yeah. Uh, I, like the, I like the idea of doing a yeah, Socratic method kind of thing. I like the idea of doing a, a Thal, uh, or, you know, like the Thalmor did nothing wrong cast. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, but uh, on, in that respect, before this conversation dissolves any further, I'm just going to call it here. So we'll see you, see you people like later. You know, allegedly, yeah, allegedly later. Sometime in Take the future. Take care, friends. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye.